Well, good morning, church family. I'm glad that you're here. I'm Keith Shorter. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm so glad that you're here to worship the Lord. And I, and I don't say this a lot, but the reason I always come in late uh, is because I go to the service down at the Life Center at 11 o'clock. We have two services going at the same time, so I go down there first and, and do a greeting down there, and then I come up here. So if you wonder, why can't that preacher get his act together and get in here on time? That's the reason. I'm just running around. Well, today is the last message in the summer series called I Am. As we're, we've been looking all summer long at what the Gospel of John reveals to us about the identity of Jesus. And actually, it's Jesus revealing himself to us seven different times throughout the Gospel of John. Jesus pulls back the curtain a little bit and allows us to, a deeper glimpse into who he is and how he can change our lives. He said, Throughout the Gospel of John, we've looked at these. He said, I am the bread of life. He said another time, I am the light of the world. And on another occasion, he said, I am the door of the sheep. And again, in John 10, he said, I am the good shepherd. He said in one particular circumstance, I am the resurrection and the life. And last Sunday we looked at this, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And now today we're going to look at the final I am statement of Jesus when he said, I am the true vine. Now, here's why the I am statements are important for you. I mean, what does it really matter? Why does it really matter that you and I understand the seven things that Jesus said? Here's why it matters. Because when you know who He is, it has the potential to change who you are. It really does. Or another way to say it is this. I am can change who I am. All of us have a need to change. There's something in your life today that you'd like to change. Something that you need help with. Something that you need to overcome. Something that you need to put behind you. We all have things in our lives that need to change. And when Jesus identified himself with the seven different I am statements, he was simply saying this, that Jesus is everything that we are not. Every deficiency that we have, He is sufficient. Every problem that we have, He is the answer. So seven different times, Jesus declared that I am what you need in life. That was especially evident in the last I am statement. The last I am statement occurred just hours before Jesus' arrest and later crucifixion. Let me show you this situation and tell you the story. Would you open God's Word? We're going to go to John chapter 13 and make our way to John chapter 15, which is our text today. <clears throat> On the last night of Jesus' life, the night before the cross, the topic of conversation was very, very important. Let me give you the context so you can kind of feel the weight of the words that we're going to be reading in John 15. Chapter 13 of John, look at verses 1 and 2, kind of gives us the, the geographical context of where he was and what he was doing. Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 13, it was just before the Passover feast. And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave the world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. 
So this is what we call the Last Supper. This is that last evening that Jesus had with his disciples, that final meal together, if you will. And that evening, Jesus would later be betrayed. That evening, Jesus would later be arrested. And by the next day, he would be nailed to a cross. And so this is occurring in the upper room in Jerusalem. And so we go to chapter 14 now, again, making our way towards chapter 15. We go to chapter 14, and in chapter 14, Jesus is comforting his disciples. Uh, He's promising them the Holy Spirit would come and be with them. And after all of this is concluded, it says, he simply says this at the end of chapter 14, Come now, let us leave. So these 11 dejected men get up. They follow Jesus down the stairs out into into the cool night air. Jesus leads them out of the city. They likely turned left and followed the Kidron Valley toward their destination. As they walked around the edge of the Kidron Valley, the towering city walls of Jerusalem were to their left. And over to their right was the Mount of Olives. And over to their right and down a little ways was the Garden of Gethsemane, their final destination. As Jesus walked toward the Garden of Gethsemane, somewhere between the upper room and the Garden of Gethsemane, we believe, though the Scripture does not say this, but somewhere between those two points, he likely stopped at a vineyard. Vineyards were very common in that day. They they grew everywhere. And so likely, because he was such a master at using illustrations, he was such a master at using things that you saw, things that you could see, things that you could touch, He was such a master at using the simple to describe something incredible. So more than likely, between the Kidron Valley and Gethsemane, between the upper room and Gethsemane, somewhere along the way, he likely stopped at a vineyard. As he stopped at the vineyard, I can imagine him looking at the leaves and the branches of the vine and looking at that, and then he says these words, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. One last lesson to give them. One last thing to reveal about himself. And as he stands perhaps in front of that vineyard, as he perhaps looks at the leaves and the branches on that vine, he says to them, I am the true vine. Before I'm arrested, before I'm crucified, before I leave you, the last thing I want you to understand is this. I am the true vine. Now, those words were loaded with meaning. I wish we had time to go deep into that today, but we, we only have time to hit some of these things on a surface level. But throughout the Old Testament, the imagery of the vine is used to describe Israel, God's people. Again and again, you'll see Israel referred to throughout the Old Testament with this imagery of the vine. And in fact, their coinage even had the vine on their coins. Israel was known as the vine of God. The vineyard of God. And yet, what what is really interesting is when you look at all of those places in the Old Testament where Israel is mentioned as a vine, they they were always mentioned in a negative connotation, whether it was Isaiah or, or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. All the Old Testament prophets, when they mentioned Israel as a vine, it was always in a negative connotation. It was always a vine that was useless. A vine that did not produce what it should have. A vine that produced bad fruit. A a vine 
that was wild and unproductive. That was the words used to describe the nation of Israel. So in that context, Jesus says to them in chapter 15, verse 1, I am the what, church? What did he say? I am the what? True vine. He didn't just say, I am the vine. But he said to them, I am the true vine. Now the word true there means real or genuine. He, would, he likely was comparing himself to the nation of Israel. You see, he was declaring, basically, he is the replacement for the nation of Israel. That God would work through him to bring salvation to the world. His, a relationship with God would no longer be found in a nation, Israel. No, a relationship with God now would be found in a person, Jesus. Chuck Swindoll put it this way. He said, Jesus took the place of Israel, claiming to be the authentic, healthy vineyard the nation failed to become. And so with that, as our context, let's read chapter 15, the first five verses. Follow along as I read. He said, I am the true vine. <clears throat> My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Would you notice that God is very concerned with fruit? We'll talk about what fruit is in a moment, but would you just notice in verse 2 that God is very, very concerned with fruit coming from our lives. Verse 3, you're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. And then he says in verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Did you see a word or a phrase that's repeated in those verses? If you're paying attention, I hope that you saw it. It's Depending on your translation, it was either the word remain, remain in me, or your translation may say abide, abide in me. At least in my NIV translation, that word remain is repeated eight times in four verses. Everybody look up here. Everybody look up here. Do do you think he was trying to make a point? Eight times in four verses? I mean, if 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 he said it to us once, that would be sufficient. If he said it to us twice, it would be a good reminder. If he said it to us three or four times, it would be kind of startling that he brought our attention to that. But eight times? What was there about this concept that was so important that he said it over and over and over and over again? And in fact, if you read the rest of the text, he actually uses that word 11 times in 10 verses. The word abide or the word remain. What is it about this, this idea? What is it about this word? What is it about this phrase that would be so important that on his last night, before the crucifixion, on the night he would be betrayed, on the night he would be arrested, on the night the disciples would see him taken to the jail, on the night they'd be separated, what, what was it about this word that was so important that he used it over and over and over and over? I'm going to give you two things to hopefully help us grab hold of what he was talking about that night. First of all, when he uses the word remain, he was simply demonstrating to them 
that we need Jesus daily. We need Jesus daily. Here's what he says in verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit. What's that next two words? By itself. It must. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Here's what Jesus was saying. You might want to write this down if if you're taking notes. The branch needs the vine all of the time. The branch needs the vine all of the time. There is not a day that the branch doesn't need the vine. There's not a day that the branch can say, I'm kind of taking the day off. There's not a day when the branch can disconnect for a little while. There's not a day when the branch can say, I'm just going to chill for a week or two. There's not a, no, the branch needs the vine every day if it's going to survive. And you know what Jesus was saying to the disciples and to us? So do you. If you're going to make it, if you're going to survive, if your life is going to produce fruit, if you're going to become something in life, you need me every day. Man, what a powerful lesson. Would you notice in verse 4, it's interesting, and I know we're reading this in the English translation, but it's interesting in verse 4 that the verse begins and it ends with the same three words. Begins with the words, remain in me, at least in the NIV. It begins with those words, remain in me. It ends with the same three words, remain in me. You see, the most important thing in your life should be your personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ because everything else flows out of that. Your intimate, daily relationship with Jesus Christ is the foundation to everything God wants to do in your life. You know what I found in my life, though? Can we just talk for a minute? Can, can, I, can I just be honest with you? You know what I found in my life? I'm a lot better at activity than I am at abiding. Can I get a witness? I'm a lot better at activity. I can be busy. I can do a lot of stuff. I can even do a lot of religious stuff. I'm a lot better at doing activity than I am at abiding. Jesus. And yet on the last night, with his disciples, walking from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would be arrested and betrayed. Somewhere along the way, he stopped, likely at a vineyard, and said, guys, guys, there's one other thing, one other thing I want you to get. You have to remain in me. Because activity and busyness will not accomplish the will of the Father. These men were about to get very, very busy. These men, their calendar was about to get really full. They were about to get booked up. They had no idea what God was about to do in and through them. And Jesus paused before all of that started to say, just like, see how this, see how this branch is attached to the vine? and see, see, see how this branch has to stay attached in order if it's going to do anything? And it can't take a day out. It's always attached, right? That's the way you are. That's the way your life is. You have to be attached to me. And here's the reason, verse 4, the second part of verse 4. No branch can bear fruit by itself. No branch 
can bear fruit by itself. Can I say to you, the Christian life is not hard, nor is it difficult. The Christian life is impossible apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus said to those apostles, you need to put your relationship with me above everything else. Your relationship with me has to be first in your life. So so I would ask you today, what needs to change? What needs to change? Here's perhaps where you need to start making your relationship with Jesus, your daily relationship with Jesus, the priority of your life. Where do you need to start? What does need to change? So... 11 times in 10 verses or 8 times in 4 verses, Jesus uses this word remain. He uses this word abide. Let me tell you the second thing that it means. Remain shows us that the fruit we want in our lives is found in Jesus, not in us. The fruit that we want in our lives, the fruit that we want to see displayed in our lives is found in Jesus, not in us. Look in verse 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches, and if a man remains in me, and I in him, he will do what, church? Come on, talk to me. He'll do what? Bear much fruit. There's a lot of discussion about what does fruit represent here. You can do do a lot of reading, a lot of studying, see a lot of different opinions. I'll summarize them for you. Some people say, well, fruit here, bearing fruit is talking about soul winning. That when you have a daily relationship with Jesus Christ, it's natural to tell others about Him. It's soul winning. This is the fruit He's talking about. And that could be possible. It makes sense. Other people say, no, really what He's talking about here, this fruit He's referring to is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. You know, patience and and love and all of those kind of things. The, The fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5. That that's what He's talking about. That when you know Christ on a daily intimate basis, that the fruit of the Spirit will come out of you. And certainly that makes sense too. Some people said, no, really what he's talking about, the fruit here is good works. Jesus said in Matthew 5, let your light shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That that there is such a thing as when you know the Lord and you're serving the Lord that that just good works come out of you and it identifies you as a follower of Jesus. And and again, that, that makes sense and that's possible. Sometimes in our attempt to understand the Bible, I think we miss the obvious. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Now follow with me. Are you listening? He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Now what does a branch produce? Here's the answer. You know what a branch produces? Whatever it's attached to. I want to ask you some really hard questions. Make sure you're tuned in. I don't want to be like last Sunday when you have to correct me. So make sure you're tuned in. I think I got it right this time, okay? Here, here, answer me, answer me. The branch of an apple tree produces... Hmm. Orange tree branches produce... Yeah. Grapevines produce... So if Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, then what fruit should we see in our lives? Jesus. Does that make sense? I think we're just overcomplicating this thing. It's very, very simple. That if if Jesus 
If we're connected to Him and we're living for Him every day, the fruit that you'll see in your life is that you start looking more like, acting more like, living more like Jesus. And that's the fruit. In fact, I think there's scriptural evidence for that. If you look in verse 8, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. You see, the more I become like Jesus, the more fruitful my life becomes. And the branch simply reproduces the life that is in the vine. And and listen, if Jesus is the vine, our lives should represent Him, resemble Him. Does anybody see Jesus in you? Is it evident where you live? Is it evident where you work? Is it evident where you go to school? That you, you are a follower of Jesus Christ? Is it evident that there's something different about you and it's not because of you, it's because of who lives in you? Is it evident that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I want to tell you something, it ought to be evident. If somebody says, hey, do you know so-and-so, is is she a Christian? There shouldn't be any hesitation. It says it real clearly there in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be... My disciples. Which brings me back to an important point that Jesus made in verse 5. In verse 5, look what Jesus said. I am the vine, you are the branches, and if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And then notice what he said. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want you to imagine. It doesn't take much of an imagination, but I want you to imagine... That as you're standing there at the vineyard, you, you can see the, the clippings where the, the gardener, the vine dresser, has cut off some of the branches. He's thinning it out. He's pruning it. Jesus talked about the pruning in verse 2. And, and they're laying on the ground. The, the branches are now cut off. They're disconnected. They're not part of the vine any longer. And they're just laying there and they're withering. And Jesus said, with that in mind, apart from me, you can produce nothing in your life. You're just like one of these branches. There's no way that branch is ever going to produce another grape. There's no way that that branch is ever going to produce anything. It's, it's separated from the vine now. The life that it needs is no longer available. It's separated from the vine. And Jesus said, and your life is like that. Apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. You know what that word nothing means? means nothing of eternal value. You can do nothing of significance. You can do nothing that counts very long. You can do nothing that brings about radical change. You can do nothing beyond the average. You can do nothing beyond the human. That's why William Barclay said, we must arrange life in such a way that there is never a day when we give ourselves a chance to forget Him. I love that statement. I want you to hear it again. You might want to write that one down. William Barclay said, We must arrange life in such a way there is never a day when we give ourselves a chance to forget Him. See, most of our struggles can be traced back to this starting point. Think about it. Just be honest. You don't have to answer it out loud. But most of our struggles can be traced back to this starting point when we were apart from the vine. Right? Some of your dumbest decisions was when you got away from the vine. 
Some of the things you did that hurt you or hurt others so much was when you got away from the vine. The things that have cost you and maybe you're, you're still paying the consequences is when you got away from the vine. So before you get any farther away from Him, before you get any weaker, before you get any more vulnerable, could I plead with you just to come back to Him? Could I remind you that the essence of the Christian life is to abide in Him on a daily basis? You see, here's what I know about you. You do not want to leave a legacy of a wasted life. Look at verse 6. Jesus talked about this. If anyone does not remain in me, and notice that, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Jesus said, Jesus said, if you don't remain in him on a daily basis, that we're like a branch that's just thrown away. Now, I want to tell you something. More than likely, more than likely, you threw something away this morning, didn't you? I don't know what it is. It's, you know, cereal box is empty. You threw it away. Or if you didn't throw something away this morning, you, you threw something away last night or yesterday. I mean, I mean, you went to the garbage can and you just threw it away. And why did you throw it away? Because you don't use it anymore. You don't need it anymore. It's useless to you. Jesus said our lives can become that way. If, if we're not depending on Him on a daily basis, if we're not remaining connected to Him, Jesus said our lives become useless. It's just thrown away. I've seen a lot of people throw their lives away in the 32 years I've been a pastor. I've seen people who are very committed, very involved, very engaged in the things of God. And suddenly, they started distancing themselves from the Lord. They distancing themselves from God's people. And, and before you realize it, they're a useless branch. Hear it again in verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. You see, this is a warning for every one of us because one of our greatest struggles is self-sufficiency. We think we can handle it, right? We got it. I got this. We, we think we're big enough, good enough, strong enough. We can handle it. We're competent in what we do. We're competent in, in what we're going to approach and how we're going to approach it. We're, we're competent. And eventually, we become confident in what we can do. And eventually, that's exactly what we get. What we can do. And just what we can do. There's one other thing about this word remain that I want to call to your attention before we leave. When Jesus said remain in me, the word by the way it's written, it implies, it implies that that's a decision you have to make. Remain in me. It's a decision that you have to make. It's, it's, it's a decision nobody else can make for you. Your spouse can't make it for you. Your brother, your sister, your mom, or your dad. Uh, it's, it's a decision you have to make. It has to become a priority in your life because you want it to be a priority in your life. Verse 5 is really describing two different ways of, of living your life. If you'll notice in verse 5, he talks about remaining me. That's, that's one way to live your life. The second way to live your life, he said, apart from me. 
So you've got those two things. You might want to underline those in your Bible in verse 5. Remain in me or apart from me. If you remain in me, your life will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. Those two ways to live your life, and they have very different results. And here's what's at stake. If you don't have a daily dependence on Jesus, here's what's going to happen. The sin residue of the old you will begin to surface again. You see, that thing that you thought you had control over begins to take over again. The old you, the ugly you, starts to make a comeback. And eventually, what once was warm turns cold, and what once was powerful turns powerless. So, everybody look up here. I want to close with this. On the very last night, I want to make sure you get this. On the very last night with his disciples, after they had just had their last supper together, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane where he would be betrayed and arrested. On that very last night, Jesus stopped somewhere along the way to teach them one final lesson. Now summarize that one final lesson with this sentence. The power we need is in him, not in us. Isn't that right? The power we need is in him. Not in us. That's why he said, just like a branch connected to the vine, the power the branch needs is in the vine. It's not in the branch. It's in the vine. That's why it's so important that the branch stay connected because the power that it needs is the life that it needs. The fruit that it will produce is in the vine. It's not in the branches. It's in the vine. Can I say to you today that the power that you need is in Jesus, and it's not in you. And that's why you need Him. I want to ask you to bow your heads for a moment, please. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to challenge you with something before we leave. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never connected to God that first time and said, Lord Jesus, Please forgive me of my sin. I, I really believe that you died on the cross in my place. And today I surrender my life to you. Today I ask you to come into my heart, into my life, and I, I surrender myself to you. I repent of my sin. I ask you to be my Savior. You can do that today. Your life can be radically changed today if you'll make that your prayer from your heart. And then I also want to speak to those who are Christians. And for some of you, life has become busy and barren. And you're trying really hard. But could I say to you that trying to be a better person will not get you very far? Because usually those are changes that we make in our power. Usually those changes are temporary. So I just want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to Continue to pursue Jesus on a daily basis. Continue to grow in your knowledge and your intimacy with Him. Continue to develop your prayer life. You may not feel very good at it, but continue to work at your prayer life. Surround yourself with His Word. Give yourself entirely to the Lord and do it every day. If you'll do that every day, you'll begin to develop fruit in your life. You'll begin to see Him develop fruit in your life. Jesus will become more evident in you. Father, I, I just want to surrender this time to you. I'm grateful. 
that you, through Jesus Christ, you are the true vine. You are the one who is sufficient when we're deficient. Fill us with your power and may fruit be evident in our life as we live for your glory. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.